We'll pray and get started. We're headed further into Philippians, a book about rejoicing through difficulty, which um, I care a lot about and I'm excited to talk to you about. Before we get to scriptures, though, I want to put some images up here in just a moment that will, you can help me kind of say what's going on inside of um, my heart when I see this image. And I just need you to give me some words. I'm going to write them down, and then we'll come back and, and then go into the text. The text is Philippians chapter 1. Let me see if I can get there, and I'll tell you exactly. Um, we're looking at verse 12 through um, verse 26. And especially, if you want to look at it right now, we're looking at verse 19. There's something that Paul gives us about celebrating that can change our life. And I would like to come out on a bold statement and say, celebrating regularly can make your life much better. It can change the trajectory of your life. It can change the focus of your life. And it can put you in a place where you are understanding and seeing more actively what God is doing. And it can make you more thankful. And it can change the dynamics of your relationships as well. I don't know how many of you feel like this, but Sometimes I get tired of like running into people and talking about nothing. Does that ever happen to you guys? I mean, you, you know, I mean, it's just kind of like, hey, how's it going? You know, we never really, and it's okay. It's pretty much part of life. But one of the ways that I have kind of counteracted that kind of staying at a certain level where we talk about the weather, I always call it like Bronco talk and weather talk, you know, like um, we don't have the Broncos to talk about right now though, do we? Um, but I say, how can I celebrate with you? It's a pretty intentional thing to do. Sometimes people stand there and look at me like for a number of minutes. And so two things, I get bold to say it and then I get bold to sit there and wait for an answer. Because sometimes people go cross-eyed like, no one's asked me that in a long time. But I want to know, what can I celebrate with you? And that's where we're headed today. Um, before we do that, can you guys still see the, is this in the way for anyone to see the, pic, the, the uh, slides behind me? You all, all okay? Can you see over that? Okay, um, so Eva, or is Eva back there? Oh, you, you switched out. Okay, give me that first slide, and I want, let me pray first. You guys can look at that while I pray. Um, Lord, we love you, and we ask for your um, Holy Spirit to change the way that we think about trials and that we think about um, celebration. Will you build it into us that we would be a people that celebrate well and regularly with people we care about and even those we don't know that well in your name? Amen. So you see this picture. Most of you probably know who he is. I want to just hear, even if you don't, you're going to get some kind of sense. Uh, give me some feedback, what you're thinking when you see Nick up here. What did you say? Um, positive. Anything else? Persevere. Persevere. Oh, man, you did that because you know I can't spell it. <laughs> Pia, persevere. I don't know if that's right. Persevere. Per close enough. You get it. Anything else? So I'm going to, his name is um, Nick. I, this is a tough last name. Vajusic. Um, and he was born with no arms and legs. He has one small foot that he can do all kinds. He can surf. He can walk. He drives a car. He told a story in a video that he pulled up to this girl that kind of was looking at him like, oh, hey. And he pulled his seat. He can, so he can drive. He pulls his seatbelt off and he spin, spun around on his seat like that while she was sitting next to him in a vehicle. And she was like, ah. And he said, I've never seen someone want the light to turn green so bad. 
Uh, he is an overcomer. He is known for saying this. This is quote. I never met a bitter person who was thankful or a thankful person who was bitter. And that is the thing that kind of changed his look about life is my mom began to talk to me about thankfulness and I began to be thankful. And you know, he has now reached hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions of people with his message and over 200,000 people have responded to Jesus because of his message of hope. Um, So, He's thankful for his situation because it's impacting the kingdom of God. And he's an overcomer. He has a, he's married and has a child as well. Exciting things. And most of you knew something about him, and it gave you a sense of what, inspiration, didn't it? The next picture um, is, may also in, 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 instill something in you. I'll tell you who it is in a moment, if you know, or if you just have, have some idea. Or I can just, I'll tell you now, and then I'll talk to you a little bit. His name is Nelson Mandela. What kind of things, if you know about Nelson... Uh, does that instill in your heart? Forgiver. Forgiver. Patient. Patient, and we'll, we could say patient in prison. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to practice spelling again. Persevere. At the end? Injustice? Yeah. He faced some injustice. Okay, so we're getting some kind of a theme. He's an overcomer as well. 27 years he spent in prison. He was an activist against apartheid in South Africa where he was saying we need a majority vote and that wasn't the case. And so he went at that in different ways, peaceful at first and then in in some more uh, aggressive ways and ended up in prison for 27 years. And he came out and became the leader of the nation and didn't go for vengeance. He worked through reconciling the racial differences. Uh, so, pretty, pretty cool. Here's what uh, he is known for saying. In the end, reconciliation is a spiritual process which requires more than a legal framework. It has to happen in the hearts and minds of people. The next picture, I'm pretty sure you'll get this guy. Uh, let's see if you know and you can give me some feelings about this, this uh, individual. Pretty handsome guy, right? We like him. Tell me a little bit about uh, how you feel when you see that picture. Godly. Say that again. Godly. Godly. Okay. Steadfast. Steadfast. Brave. Brave. I'm going to say emancipator. No kidding, huh? Who would want that job? Amazing guy. Very inspirational, isn't he? Um, he led our nation through the greatest moral, constitutional, political crisis in, in, through the American Civil War. The greatest ever. The kind of tearing and ripping that was happening. And he was standing up for what he believed in, and it was costing lives either way. Pretty tough. And he's known for saying this. He was always simple in his statements and powerful. I don't like that man. I must get to know him better. Humble. I don't like that man, and then he put it on himself. I need to get to know him better. Um, And then he also said this. When you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. 
right? Now, this next one is a little less serious. So let's take a look, and you guys can tell me if you recognize this. Um, what do you got there for me? Rocky, right? And we're talking about Rocky, not Sylvester, okay? Let's keep it in Rocky. So, like, remember that scene? How many of you went jogging after that movie? Come on, I bet some of you did. I know I did. Um, so tell me a little bit, you know, you know the story. He's this underdog uh, guy, and, and he's, he worked in a meat-cutting place, didn't he? And he started out punching the, the frozen beef. <laughs> Kim, I bet somebody in your meat-cutting place has done that. So what do we think about, what are some things that come to us? He's an overcomer, right? He could take a hit, right? Wasn't, wasn't that kind of what he was all about? Persistent. Persistent, yeah. You know, in that first movie, he lost the fight. I didn't even know that. That was such a victorious, like, show that at the end, you're just going away feeling so good that I, I didn't realize that by decision, he lost that fight, and he was, he was known for saying What? Yo, Adrian. You guys remember? See, so he's focused on the love of his life instead of winning or, you know, making it through this bout with Apollo Creed who beat him to beat his face like a catching, catcher's mitt, basically. Anyway, that was kind of fun. And I want to take you to the place that I, that I sense um, can help us a little bit. And what we're talking about is resilience. And resilience means... Um, an ability to recover or adjust uh, to misfortune or change. We're drawn to that. These guys that we just saw, all those pictures, th- those, those people did that well, and they did it gracefully. And I guarantee you the underworkings of it were hard, just as hard as they are for us. But because we've seen them overcome and make it through, we're inspired by them. And so that's what I want to kind of get our minds and hearts attached to as we start reading in the book of Philippians where Paul is so repeatedly rejoicing and he's writing from prison. And this gives us such a great opportunity to think about how can we celebrate in our lives because we're not in prison, but how can we celebrate our lives in our lives even during difficult times? And that's sort of where we're focused today is the power that God gives us of celebrating his work in our lives while things aren't going our way. Um, And Paul gives us a great example of that. Last week we talked about the fact that he, he celebrated all his life and one of the ways he celebrated was he celebrated people. And the next piece was that he celebrated in the midst of difficulty. How many of you have that annoying friend that's going through the trials and they're like, man, it's going great. And you're like, oh man, that's... An, but there's something to that because when we begin to celebrate not just any old thing but the work of God in our lives during difficulty, we are lining up with a very, very powerful scriptural principle that says, in our difficulty, He delivers us. Huh? See, I see you. You're feeling that. And because that is where the freedom has come from for many of us. Is it's in the difficulty, and Paul says that here. So let's read this passage. We're starting in verse 12, and we'll finish in verse 27. Now, again, Paul is writing to a group of people he cares a lot about um, and he's writing from prison, wrongfully accused. And if you read his history, you recognize he actually dies as, as a, an apostle for Jesus in, to, in the Romans. The Romans kill him. And he's on the way towards that in prison writing this. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Hey, I'm in prison, 
wrongfully imprisoned. And what I want to let you know is that it's actually been good because it's advanced the gospel. There is a powerful statement in that. I'm in prison, and I want to let you know that what has happened to me has actually served to, the, to advance the gospel. The gospel to Paul is the message that we are loved, accepted, and forgiven by the work of Jesus. That human effort is set aside, human boasting is set aside, human uh, ancestry is set aside. We are in because of what Jesus did in our faith in him. That's what he's saying that has been advanced. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have been, become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I'm not sure I understand this, but somehow him, him being there emboldened other people to begin to share their gospel. Maybe it was because he was willing to take the risk and he was saying, I won't compromise, I'm in, I'm in prison and I'm not demanding my rights. I'm submitting to that and proclaiming Christ as Lord and that emboldened other people. You would think the opposite, wouldn't you? Like if Matt got thrown in jail for preaching, I might think about not preaching as much or something like that. But what happened is it rose up the church and they began to speak more boldly. And that is what he's celebrating. He's not whining. He's not complaining about being in prison. He's celebrating that the gospel is advancing and that his brothers and sisters are proclaiming the gospel with more and more courage. And then he says, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The other ones, the former ones, preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am, cha- while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. He's rejoicing in the work of God in and around his life, and it's giving him a target. How many of you, if you read your news page and you watch the news for 10 days straight, what's your target? What are you thinking about? What are you focused on? Oh, man. I'm crawling under my chair, I'm overwhelmed, I'm angry, I'm reactive, I'm confused. My target is moving at all times. If I'm celebrating that during the times of my life when I'm not getting what I want and I'm outside of what I even think God might have for me, that I'm recognizing God is doing very important work, my heart is lifted and I have a target. And that target is about surrendering to God's will in my life, not mandating my own. And it begins to lift my heart. And I can say in dark times, Wow, this is not fun. I don't like prison. I don't like beatings. I don't like trials. I don't like feeling rejected. But what I can say is in the midst of this darkness, God is doing some very important work in me. And part of that is putting me to the side. Now here's the the focus that I really want us to look at. And he says, because Christ is preached, I rejoice. and, And I will continue to rejoice For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I know a lot of you in this room. And I know a lot of you have gone through really long, tough roads. And in the long, tough road is where you met the deepest part of your deliverance. And that is one thing that we must begin to carry if we are going to be people that are in the family or that, that believe and hold to the truth that we are in the family of God is that we can be delivered during times 
that are frustrating, during times that are outside of our desires, outside of our will, and we can see the work of God in that. And so, will you read or say this with me? I think it's behind me. I will continue to rejoice. Go ahead. Because what happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, hands, how many of you believe that? It's true. Now, I know that I could catch you, all of you, that have your hands up on a day when you're wondering. But big picture, we do know, because of experience with God, that the things that we go through are for our benefit. They set us free from fear and pride and shame. I'll tell you a story a little bit later here about that. Um, Let's continue to read. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now we get to understand a little bit of why that is. I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way, in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. I want to pause there. He, he well, let me keep going because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. One of the things Nick said in one of the interviews I watched with him is, if I have to be temporarily uh, limited like this with no arms and legs for the benefit of the kingdom of God, and then when I'm, when I'm brought into heaven, I'll have my full capacity, I'm willing to do that because I see God's plan in it. Um, Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. When we begin to understand the power of the gospel, death has no mastery over us. Now, I'm not saying I want to die. I got little girls I want to invest in my whole life. But we do not have to be afraid of death like other people because there's great hope in our transference from this life to the next. We meet Jesus. And he, he can say that, and he can say, look, if I live in this difficult place, he's in a Roman prison, or if I die, I trust God. And that's where we can walk as well. If I'm to go on living in this body, it will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. And this is what we're talking about. How can we, like Paul, rejoice and boast in the Lord during difficult times? And how important is it that we become people that celebrate regularly? Um, So I want to talk a little bit about this. This is all I'm really saying. Paul celebrates in the midst of difficulty It increases his focus on what God's doing. It increases his joy. And it increases the depth of his relationships. It's clear in this, it's clear here. And we're going to keep talking about celebrating because Paul does that in Philippians. In the end, he says, with thanksgiving and rejoicing, make your requests known to God, pray, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. How many of you want that? And have experienced that? And it's so much better than no peace guarding your mind. It doesn't mean that we're pulled out of prison. It doesn't mean we get what we want. It means that during the storm, we're dancing on the waves. We get to rise above the circumstances because of how our heart and mind are 
are guarded. And so I have been uh, a proponent and have been doing this a long time of celebrating intentionally like Paul is doing on good days, on bad days. And so I want to just talk a little bit about how do we begin to build this into our lives? How many of you have celebrated in this church? And, and it's good. Uh, the, the aspect that I said, lifting or taking relationships to a deeper place, the simple question, how can I celebrate you, can change all of that as well as help them focus and you focus on the work of God in your life on a dark day, on a good day, on any day. So how do we do it? I want to say first that it is kind of difficult. It's kind of difficult to just like starkly walk into a room and say, how can I celebrate with you? But it's not that hard. I just did it. It is difficult in our minds. I, w- I can give you that. But, but to get down on one knee with some young person in our church and say, how can I celebrate with you? Or some of you are going to be driving home with people. you got quite a commute. A lot of you have driven more than 20 miles to get here. So thank you for being here. And you could, on that car raid, say, how can I celebrate with you? And just sit there. Gentlemen especially, don't talk after you ask the question. Just drive. Or don't drive. Sit. Either whoever's driving. How can I celebrate with you? I promise you, the ladies are going to come up with something. When they ask you, gentlemen, dig deep and find something to celebrate. We can do this. And it will change your life. It sounds so silly and simple. Um, I want those of you that are watching online um, to practice this. um, Look right at you. Um, How can I celebrate with you? And will you, you can see right here, this is a website or an email address that you can send your celebration to me and I promise you I will celebrate with you on the way back. You tell me some kind of story that you're grateful to God with, that God did something for you, that God is setting you free from through a difficult time, through a good time, I will celebrate. Those of you here in this room that are a little bit scared to do this publicly, do this. This is the secret back door. And it's a beginning. That's all we need is a beginning. I promise you I will give you words of affirmation over your story and it will feel good and you will want to do it again. This is what we want is a draw in to saying, hey, I took a step. Hey, Matt, good job for taking a step. Hey, Aaron, I saw that you overcame that. And I say, well, the Lord helped me do this and I needed some help and I, and I was able to rest in his presence. Aaron, we're with you. We celebrate with you. We want to do that for each other. So um, there's an online opportunity. We can do it in person. We can do it in groups. We do it at our family. How can I celebrate with you? Now, now we've done this so much and we don't do it every day or anything, but my kids, when they have something to celebrate and I'm tucking them in, they say, dad, dad, hold on. Don't leave. I have something to celebrate with you. And it's changing the dynamics of how we relate. And they're not celebrating that they got a new toy. They're celebrating overcoming moments in their life. Because the focus has always been there in our family. We celebrate the work of God even when it's hard. Feeling rejected at school, what is there to celebrate? And we don't pretend that there's nothing wrong. We don't pretend, we don't deny that there's pain, but we do look for the work of God in the midst of difficulty. And that's what I want to encourage us to do. Spouses, groups, families, do it on the way out. You can do it lightheartedly. You can do it seriously. You can, we can't high five anymore. I love high fives, but we can fist bump or air bump or something. We can like, I don't know. We'll make something up. Um, Now, that should help you. I don't know if you'll do it. It's okay with me if you don't. But I can tell you this. It will increase the depth of your relationship and it will change your life. It has changed my life. Um, 
The next thing would be then how, or so how do I celebrate? We talked about that. What do we celebrate? I have had a few encounters with people um, that we can celebrate when we discover more about who God is calling us to be. How many of you have been around someone that's like having kind of an awakening of, wow, God made me like this, and that's really important. I mean, with Denise, I've had some powerful conversations a couple years ago as she was transitioning from a lifelong career to a new one, and she was discovering all kinds of things about how God had made her. And then she acted on it. I can tell you she was celebrating and so was I. It was focused on her growth and it was changing my life at the same time. Right? And it did change your life. You're doing something completely different, walking into something completely new. Um, so discovery is important. I recently had a, a talk with my mom. She heard me talking about the fact that Eva knows this about how God made her. I like, she, she would say this, I like to do tasks and connect with people. Anytime I can do something with my hands or, or my brain and c- accomplish a goal with someone else, I feel God's pleasure. My mom heard that, and it resonated with my mom, and she sat down with me and said, Aaron, that was such a simple thing, but it helped me realize that's how God made me too, and I celebrated with her. It's important to know how we've been made. Cars aren't made to drive in reverse. They will drive in reverse, but they don't go very fast on I-70 in reverse. Or sideways, my mom discovered something that helped her drive faster with the wind in her sails. And it was helpful. And I, of course, would celebrate with her. Um, we can celebrate connection with God and others. I don't know if this is true for you, but I could have a really bad day, and I could know without a shadow of doubt, if I will sit still and let God into this, it will change things, and I will resist all day long. Anyone do that? <laughs> me and Glenda are the only two in the room. Thank you, Glenda, for not making me feel alone. Um, I don't know what that is, but when I have a rough time and I decide to choose to slow down and let God in, sometimes I'll go to Becky and say, she'll say, how can I celebrate? And I'll say, you know, I was, I was about to start tearing the place apart. I was about to put my striving to it, and instead I rested and listened, and God gave me a breakthrough. We celebrate that connection. Or I was feeling insecure, and instead of working to make myself feel better, I slowed down and spent some time with Jesus. Let's celebrate that. On the next thing that we can celebrate, and you can celebrate all kinds of things. Paul is celebrating the advancement of the gospel in prison, and he's not focused on the, the injustice of him being in prison. Um, we could celebrate getting intentional instead of reactive. There's an old story about a moth watching a fly. Have you guys seen flies? Like, let's pretend there's a fly trying to get out that window. They just kind of, bam, bam. They just keep doing that. Have you seen them like, they fly out and then crash back in and fly out. And so this moth is watching a fly do that. And he says, um, fly, what are you doing? And the fly says, well, I have to get out. And he says, well, how many times have you run into the glass? Oh, I've been here all day. He says, well, maybe you need to get a little bit further away. And he says, well, that's a waste of time if I get further away because then I'm not on the target looking for a hole. And the moth is like, man, well, um, have you thought of another, another route? And he says, there's no other route. I, and he just keeps, dur- during the conversation, the flies, bzz, 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 and the moth gets interrupted by the bouncing, right? And the moth finally says, well, um, I hope you find success. And he's feeling pretty self-righteous, flying off. And to his left, he sees a flame flickering, and he floats into the flame and zap he gets cooked by the hot flame because of his own reactivity different than the flies right the story illustrates 
that oftentimes we find ourselves either bouncing off of windows or getting zapped by bug zappers because we're drawn by a light rather than saying, how has God made me and who can I be? I'm not meant to bang my fly head into a window all day or burn my moth wings off flying into flames. I'm made for something else and that, that helps us. How can we become intentional in our lives and celebrate those things? Um, I kind of talked about this already, living out of our design and, and my, you know, to kind of tell that story about my mom and Eva both. Uh, very exciting to hear when God gives us plans and direction that set us free. This last one isn't quite as fun for us, but how do we and how can we celebrate deliverance during difficulty? tell you this crazy story. This was a number of years ago. I think Eva was in kindergarten or maybe first grade. I was taking her to school pretty often, dropping her off. And she would, you know, back then she had to ride in the back seat because, and in a car seat or whatever. And uh, she had her backpack on. She, she, she got out of her, we pulled in the parking lot. She got her backpack on and she was kind of like unbuckled and just in the back seat. Well, and then she said, Dad, can I come up and sit up with you? And so it was wintertime, and so I was like, yeah, climb up between the seats. Well, she starts to climb up between the seats, and she gets stuck between the seats with her backpack on. And so I'm sitting in the driver's seat, and I just reach around and like, yeah, and I pull her into the front. She kind of like rolls into the front, lands on my lap, and then she sits next to me. Someone a few rows away watched that and called the police. Cops came to my house. It was, it was, I, and like, they're like, hey, someone reported some violence uh, with you and your daughter in the school parking lot. And I, I like had no, like, I, I just was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then he began to talk like, oh, and I was like, oh, yeah, she got, and I wasn't, I, I'm, I'm telling you the complete, I was not angry about her getting, so I just like, mm, 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 and they were watching from a ways away and they thought some, you know, like some dad was raging on his kid. Uh, and so I talked to the police officer, and he was very, like, listen, um, I just have to follow up with it, and I was like, yeah, that's what happened, and I wasn't angry, and he was like, well, no big deal, but, but it, oh my gosh, the misunderstanding. I have spent my life working to do the opposite of that in every area of our kids' lives, not that I haven't made mistakes or lost my cool, but to be misunderstood like that was terrible, right? So I had this difficulty going on in the back of my mind. That next day or something, we go to my sister's house, and I want to talk about it. I want to say, I'm feeling rotten. I feel misunderstood. Oh, this was so traumatic. And so I start to tell her about it. My sister, I hope she's listening to this. <laughs> she goes, well, gosh, this looks like a time to celebrate the humiliation of your false self. What? And then she walked off and finished making dinner. I couldn't even not fight with her. That sounds like an opportunity to celebrate the humiliation of your false self. And it was. Because I was misunderstood. I didn't do anything wrong. And being perceived by the person that called the police, who I didn't even know who it was, I couldn't, make, I couldn't say, hey, this is what I, there was no way to reconcile that. And the cop was pretty cool. He was not very accusatory at all. He was kind of like, hey, I, I didn't really think. But, but still, that whole weight of being misunderstood in the opposite approach of how I've lived my life, I was able to sit down with Jesus and recognize I care a lot about what people think of me. 
And I had to go ahead and shirk that, that false self, and say, Jesus, what do you think of me? I, I can't make this work out well, and I need it cleared from my mind. And he did do that. It took some time, but you see how you can celebrate. Like that put the lights on my heart so deeply that said, what is my peace attached to? It's attached to Jesus. Only Jesus. He's the only way and one. People get misunderstood all the time. Paul's in prison for loving people and telling people about Jesus. And he is saying, I'm rejoicing in this because it gave opportunity. And I don't like that story still to this day. I really didn't even want to tell it. But I tell that story because it did peel my heart open and I could say, how can I celebrate this misunderstanding and let Jesus into it? You see, deliverance happens in dark places because God is the light in the darkness. Amen? Let's close our uh, eyes and bow our heads and we'll pray. Lord, um, we want to be people that celebrate your goodness and your work in our lives every day. All the time. And we ask that you would help us in our relationships to bring you up to the front. Spirit in us, Holy Spirit in us, um, bubble up in us that we would engage in conversation that celebrates the work of Jesus over and above times 10 the work of our hands. Jesus, what are you doing in my life that I can celebrate? Give us eyes to see it and passion to talk about it. Help us to rejoice like Paul in the advancement of your kingdom in our hearts and around our lives even when things are hard. Lord, I pray for those that are feeling overwhelmed right now, beyond celebration even, that you would still their heart and you would flicker the light on about the work that you're doing. Some of us in this room are in dark places and we have no idea what you're doing. But you want us to know. So will you show your children what you're doing even in the dark place that they're in? Even if it's not that dark. We all have difficulties. Will you show us what you're doing in the midst of that? That we might proclaim the greatness of your name every day. Lord, I thank you for the joy that comes from celebrating your work. The focus has changed. My relationships are deeper. And your name is being celebrated more in my family than in my life. And I can see you more readily. And I pray that for all of these people here and all of the people listening and all of the people we know that your name would be glorified and your work would be something we rejoice in and celebrate together. In Jesus' name. Amen.